Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Only Land Fan Show. My name is Kendall Lejeune, and our guest today is Joe McCall. Joe McCall has been active in real estate investing since 2006. He's been the host of the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast since 2011, with over 1,200 episodes and 12 million downloads. Joe has done hundreds of deals all over the U.S., and he has coached thousands of students from all over the world to do many more deals. He's also the world's third worst golfer. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much, Kendall. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. I'm so excited to have you. I've wanted to have you on the podcast for quite some time now, so I'm super excited that you are able to join us today. So let's jump right in. How did you get started in doing land deals? My success in land did not come from the golf course, right? Like <laughs> I love to golf, but so, boy, it's a long story. I, I started doing real estate for with houses in 2006, quit my job finally about three years later in 2009, rode the wave up, market crashed. I lost everything, went into tailspin, almost went into bankruptcy horror stories. I lost my own house to short sale foreclosures while my wife was like eight months pregnant. We had to move and it was just horrible. It was bad. My back was against the wall. I needed to make money. So I was what I call a professional student for three years, right? I bought course after course. And I always thought there was some shiny object bullet, that secret list, something that I just needed to buy one more course and I could get it. And then started, so I was spending way more money on my education than I was making. So I finally decided I'm going to buy one more course and I'm just going to do what this guy says to do. And I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to do what he says to do. And it was a guy named Chris Chico. He had a course called Absentee Owner Profits at the time. And it was about wholesaling houses. And so I bought it and I just did what he said to do. And I didn't change anything. And I didn't like it, but I didn't question it. I stopped trying to have all of my I's dotted and T's crossed. And I decided I'm going to stop trying to figure out steps seven and eight when I haven't even done steps one and two yet. So I just did what this guy said to do. And I didn't like it. Again, I thought everybody's mailing to that list. Everybody's sending that postcard. And this was in 2008 and nine. And it was, people complain that the market real estate is competitive now, but it was competitive back then. It always is competitive. And if it's not, if it's too hard to find sellers, it's too hard to find buyers. If, it, if it's not too hard to find sellers, it's too hard to find buyers and vice versa. So anyway, I said, I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm just going to start taking massive, imperfect action. And I started doing that and I started doing deals. I couldn't believe it. I was wholesaling houses and my first deal, I made every mistake possible, but I still made like 13 grand on it. So I thought, okay, this is cool. I, I think this works. What a shock. I could not believe that now I had a check and I was that guy. Because again, I'm a professional student. I went to all the boot camps, watched all the webinars, and I saw all these gurus putting checks, pictures of people holding checks. And I thought, I want to be like that someday. So finally, I became like that guy. I had that check. Some people call it the shut up check, right? <laughs> so I had my shut up check. So I started doing deals, started doing lease options at the time when the market was falling. Um, lease options were really easy to do. And so then fast forward to about 2020, right? So three years ago, maybe right before COVID started, my boys were teenagers. I have four kids 
And I wanted to do something with my boys. I wanted my boys. We have four kids, two are boys and two are girls, but my teenager boys were getting older and I wanted them to help me with real estate, but I felt like land, I'm sorry. I felt like houses were too complicated and there's a lot that goes into it. Teaching a kid, they're smart kids. They're super smart, but teaching them how to estimate the ARV, the after repair value of a house to help teaching them how to figure out repairs, dealing with sellers that you have to negotiate more with them and you have to learn how to be good at sales and talking on the phone. I just thought there's got to be a better way. And so I was friends with Jack Bosch, still am, and a super smart investor. And I started talking to him about how he was doing land. And at one time, I remember I was speaking at the same event he was. And he was doing, and I was selling my lease options course and he was selling his land flipping course. And I thought my presentation was really good, but his was amazing. And he started putting tons of testimonials on his slides that were like within the last month or two months. He had way better testimonials than I did. So I thought, man, there's something going on with this land stuff. So I started digging into it. And I was at a, I was at an event one time talking to a guy who was doing a lot of land deals. And I was asking him, how are you doing it? What are you doing? He said, it's my own little thing. And he said, I send out neutral letters. I send everybody to a voicemail. A couple of times a week, I listen to all the voicemails and I just send everybody offers without before, before calling them. And um, then I follow up with them. I send them a, a ringless voicemail. I send them an email. I send them a text. And then I send the same offer every 30 days until they tell me to jump off a cliff or they've already sold it or they'll sell it to me. That's interesting. And so he said, yeah, it's simple. And so I, I like that because I don't like talking to sellers. One of the reasons why, I, I hope I'm not taking too long answering this question. Is this no, okay? No, not at all. We, we all right. want it all. Give us the whole story. <laughs> all right. So I thought this is pretty cool because like, I'm a big FreedomSoft user, which is a CRM that I use. And uh, I thought I could set up all of that inside of FreedomSoft. And so I started setting that up and I started doing it. And then I started getting my sons when, because we homeschool them and we've traveled all over the world with their kids. And so they're busy, but like they can do this at nine o'clock at night or six in the morning. They're not talking to anybody. They're not talking to any sellers. I don't like talking to sellers. I'm not even that good at it, although I do it. And it helps if you can talk to sellers, right? You will do more deals, the more sellers you talk to. But I thought this is really cool. Like I could send a neutral letter or a neutral postcard. I don't have to worry about trying to get a subdivision pricing or pick different pockets in these counties and come up with pricing and send these blind offers. I can just send neutral letter. Hey, do you want to sell your land, your 2.6 acre lot? Jim Smith at, do you want to sell it? Call or text my 24 hour recorded voicemail. Send them all to a voicemail. They leave a message or text us. It's about 50, 50, maybe saying, yeah. And, and each letter has a reference ID on it. So they say the reference ID is J-I-K-L-1964. So my sons would then listen to the voicemail, pull up that all the details on that property. And uh, we use priced to download our lists. And I'd get, they would then look at, I trained them to go look at Redfin and Zillow and see what are these similar properties selling for. And uh, we figure, all right, they're selling for about this per acre. We look at actives and we look at solds. And I put more weight on the solds 
less weight on the active listings, if that makes sense. And so they come up with a number and then we do it a little differently now, but back then I would just make them multiply that by 35% or 25% sometimes, 35%. They would put it all in my CRM, FreedomSoft, and then they would then mail that offer to the seller and then create a task four or five days later to send them a voicemail. And we would use slide dial to send them a voicemail and then send them an email a week or two later, and then send them another offer in 30 days. So we would immediately create these tasks for the follow-up. So we wouldn't forget to follow up with these offers. And so then the we started getting offers accepted. It was crazy before we even ever even talked to them. And I like this better than blind offers because we're able to look at these properties. In a subdivision, one property may be on the water and the other one may be not on the water. And if you're going to send blind offers to everybody there, you're going to offer way too much or way too little for some of these properties. So now we can look individually at each one. And so we started doing that. And my boys, within a couple of years, doing it very part-time, they were going in and out because they were busy with sports and activities. And we would, we did about $151,000 in profits from deals that my boys helped me with over a span of a couple of years in probably about four different states. And so I thought this is really cool. And I wanted, I started then helping some of my coaching students that I was doing houses with. I started training them how to do land. I started talking about it more and more on my podcasts. And then people started asking me, hey, can you teach us how to do land too? So I thought, okay. So I, I created like a custom signature edition. I call it the Joe McCall signature edition of Freedom Soft that's customized for land. And so I started teaching this. And just this is a cool thing. Just like Jack Bosch, this was four or five years ago. I now have way more testimonials from students doing land deals than I ever did with houses. So land deals are so much easier to do. Now, yeah, you could say, man, it's way more competitive now. But I'm telling you, when you compare it to houses, it's on a completely different playing field. And with houses, when you send a postcard, for example, you're lucky if you get one quarter of 1% response rate on your postcards to houses. One quarter of 1% response rate. That's I always 0.0025%. Like that's okay. Quarter of 1%. With land on the on, on a really bad campaign, I'm getting 1% response rate. Now that's still low. Maybe it was 3% three years ago, but come on. Like that is four times better than you get with houses. We, I just love land. And I've been interviewing a lot of people on my podcast who are doing a ton of land deals. I've been um, helping other people do it. My sons aren't as active in, in it as they were before, but it's just a great business. I, these deals are so much easier to do. I don't have to talk to sellers until after they get my lowball offer. I don't have to negotiate with them over the phone. And uh, now we're using um, realtors to sell all of our deals. So it's just easier to, to do these deals. Yeah, That's my story. That, I love that story. I resonate with so much of it. I got my start doing houses as well, wholesaling houses. And compared to land, I, I think that there's so much more brain damage involved with doing a house deal than whenever you're doing a land deal. Because like you said, you have to do the AR, you have to repair, you know, going in and out and just trying to figure out how can I go into the property? How can I see the property? How can I yeah. show the property? It's just so much more simple from a land standpoint. That is incredibly cool. Something that also stuck out to me was, you know, I talked to a lot of people 
that don't like talking to sellers. And there are a lot of people out there that say, if you don't like talking to sellers and this is not the business for you, but it sounds like you've made this work. And so that process of automating a lot of this and then just getting the seller to reach back out to you is just brilliant. I love that. Here's the deal. And I've looked at my numbers. In the counties, like right now, we're sending this check letter. It's hard to see, but it looks like a check that's showing through the letter. And it has a number on there. So this is as close as I get to a quote unquote blind offer. So when those calls come in, we are we do talk to those sellers before we send them an offer. And we're averaging one out of every nine offers that we send get accepted because we're talking to them first, one out of nine. Now, if we don't talk to them, we're averaging about one out of every 25 to 30 offers that we send to get accepted. So it's a numbers game. And if you don't like talking to sellers, if English is a second language, if you're working and you don't have the time, you're exhausted by the time you get home, you don't have to talk to sellers. But what we do a lot of is we send text messages, we send emails, we send voicemails. We do a lot of follow-up. We send them an offer. And so you, you will do more deals when you talk to sellers, but you don't have to. It's just going to, you have to make more offers. Yeah, now that is fantastic. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about what types of land deals do you specialize in? Are these infill lots, larger acreage? What types of deals? I started doing only recreational land. And I interviewed a guy on my podcast who's from China. His name is Ray Zhang, but really nice guy. And it was one of my biggest, most popular podcasts I've ever done. And he goes after wherever there's demand. So if you go to Florida and you look at Florida and you look at solds of vacant land in the last 90 days, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of these little yellow dots everywhere, right? And so he was telling me what he does. He just goes and looks to see where most of the yellow dots are. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of activity there. Oh, that's interesting. So if you look at Florida, for example, I could share my screen if you wanted, but you'd have to make me. Bigger. Let's do that. Because I think this will, I, I, so my point is, as soon as you make me host or co-host or something, I, I don't care if it's an infill lot or if it's a 10 acre recreational lot, or if it's a 50 acre lot that can be subdivided. I just don't care. The, all I care about is, is there demand? Are there a lot of properties being sold in the last 90 days or not? And if there is, then I'm going to go into that market. So I'm going to go into that county. And if that county, if most of them are being sold, most of the lots that are being sold are little quarter acre lots, then I'm going to mail all of them. If most of the lots that are being sold are five acre lots, then I'm going to mail all of the five acre lots and I'm going to exclude the lower ones. So some of our biggest deals right now are the small quarter acre lots in areas that are really competitive. So the competition doesn't scare me at all. In fact, I like it. If there's no competition, it's probably a bad market. It means there's not enough, there's not enough activity there. There's not enough money. There's not enough deals being sold there. So I like comp competition. I want to go into the areas where there's a lot of recent solds. And when you can figure that out, then now you've got, it's easier to find the buyers because there's already a bunch of them there buying. It's easier to find the realtors that can do the selling for you. It's easier to find the title companies that can, I used to always use title. I always use title companies. I try to always use realtors. And if you're using private money to close your deals, it's easier to find private money. And there, and you sell your deals faster. Yeah. I, I can't share my screen, but that's all right. Oh, but maybe I can. 
think I, there you go. Can you see it? All right. So one of the things I like to do is when I'm picking a market, let's just look at Florida, for example, and I'm in land watch. All right. And I like cheap land. So I might look everything under 150 grand. And Florida is one of the biggest states in the country. Let's just pick Florida. I'm not saying that we're in about two or three different states. Florida is one of them. But you can see here the most popular counties, Lee County, Charlotte County, Citrus. These are the most popular counties. So this is just where I start. So then I go to Zillow or you go to Redfin. Sometimes I like Redfin better. All right. And I'm going to look at Lee County. Let's look at Lee County. You know what? Before we do that, let's look at this. Let's just look at the state of Florida. Let's look at solds. Vacant land only. And let's do solds in the last 90 days. Oops. 90 days. Only 15,375. Okay. 15,000. Now, you might be in Oklahoma. Oklahoma might be your thing. So what's going on in Oklahoma? 1,500. Okay, 15,000 or 1,500 if you're picking a market. Missouri is a good market. 1,170 in the last 90 days. How about California? 4,700. So I'm not saying these are bad states. I'm not saying Florida is the only state you should be in. But when you're trying to like look at, let's say, Oregon has a thousand in California or Washington has 2,400. Which state should you go in, Oregon or Washington? Probably the one that has more sold. Should you go in Oregon, Washington, or California if you're picking between those three? Probably California, it has more sold. North Carolina is another state that I love. They have a lot, 8,300 sold in the last 90 days. So let's say you're looking at Florida. Let's say you just go with Florida. And these are just right now, these are the most popular counties on Landwatch. So this is where I start. You could also add in here sold, but these are only sold that were marked as sold on Landwatch. So it doesn't mean, and you don't know if they were sold five years ago or two months ago, but you can see the most popular counties here. Lee County is one. So if I go into Redfin, let's say, Lee County, Florida, this is Fort Myers, right? And if I go to solds last three months, home type, land, sometimes Redfin, maybe it's because I'm using Chrome. Maybe this is right. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. There's 3,100 vacant lots in Lee County, Florida that have sold in the last 90 days. That's a lot. What's the other county? Charlotte County. So I, I like when I'm picking a market, I like to write all these down, right? So Lee County is... 3,100, Charlotte County, Florida, right up north, 1,600. Another popular county is Citrus County, Citrus County, 573. So just looking at three counties. Now, I would, what I like to do is I like to make a list of the top 15 to 20 counties here from Landwatch and then just look at each one of them and see which counties have the most solds. And that's a great place to start. And then you can look at, all right, in, in Citrus County, what kind of properties are being sold there? And if you go to table in Redfin, click table right there and you scroll all the way to the bottom. 
you can actually download all of those 573 properties into a spreadsheet. Now, sometimes it does limit the download to 350, but I just downloaded. Let's see if I can, let me see. I'm going to see how many it gave me. Yes, it only gave me 350, but from that spreadsheet, you can then say, all right, what's the average size vacant lot that's sold? And it'll tell you, and most likely in this part of Florida, the average property that sold was under a half acre. So here we go. I know Citrus County has a lot of recent sold activity. I might go into priced next. I like to use priced just because it gives you really good comps. So Citrus County, I'm zoomed in really big. Now, I like to do different acreage increments. So normally what I used to do is say, only give me the, the five to 40 acres in these counties. But a county like Citrus County isn't going to have very many of those. I might get 100 or 200. So now I, I, I go into bigger egg, acre increments. Is that right? Okay, a minimum 0.2. These are just my acreage increments that I do here, right? Okay. And I'll go up to 20. So now I'm looking at, I want these, the pricing characteristics to be broken up in these kinds of increments. That's what that does, all right? And the only other filter I do is I, I want people that don't live in the county. So I exclude in county. And the other thing I do is a last sale date before five years ago. All right, so give me all of the properties that sold before August 1, 2018. And I click search. And it will give me, it takes a minute here, but I want to see, all right, so here, here's a list of the top 10 most active counties in this state. And then what kind of list can I get from it? <laughs> all right, there's only 20,900. So do you think I'm worried about competition <laughs> in this county? Probably not. No. And, and here's the thing. Most land investors, people who get started in this business, quit after a few months. That's the sad truth. Most quit. And somebody made the comment in the chat, what about all these other house wholesalers that are figuring out or finding out about land? You know what? That's always happened. That's, that's This isn't a new phenomenon. It's always been that way. And again, most people that get into land will quit. But still, just that one county, and it wasn't even the biggest, most popular county, has 20,000 records in there. If you wanted to narrow it down some more, you could change the last sale date to be longer than 10 years ago. But yeah, I'm not worried about um, competition. So if I sort this table by data tree owner records, the largest properties here are 0.22 to 0.23 acres. And the next is 1.11 to 1.2. And I try to even this distribution out as much as I can for pricing purposes. And then, so I download as much as I can and I just send them to, I'll show you my postcard and letter. And you can screenshot it if you want. This is right from my course. I send a neutral letter. It looks like this. Let me... I'm going to zoom out and I'll zoom in, but I'm going to screenshot it and I'll put that link in the chat. And if you are not watching this on Zoom, you missed out, but just take a screenshot of this and you'll see it. But it's just a simple, ugly letter. It's got the reference ID at the top. And then it says, please text, call or text our 24 hour recorded voicemail with the reference ID above. That's it. 
So I get half of them that text. I'd say maybe 25, 35% text. The other rest of them leave a voicemail. And then we also send them a text back. Hey, thanks. We got your voicemail. We're working on your offer. What's your email address? Because I also want their email address so I can... Now I've got their phone number. I've got their email address and I have their mailing address. Love it. So now I'm going to send them an offer all three ways and I'm going to follow up every 30 days. I'm going to email them the offer. I'm going to text them the offer. I'm going to mail them in the physical mail the offer. And I'm going to be... I'm just going to follow up because that's... Even in a competitive market, nobody else is doing that. So my postcard is very similar. It's my postcard. I'll screenshot this as well and put it in the Zoom chat. But it's, yeah, it's just simple. Please text or call or 24-hour recorded hotline. The reason I say 24-hour recorded voicemail or whatever is because they're more likely to call if they know nobody is going to answer. And I don't give them my website because I don't want them to go to my website. I want their phone number. So right. I'm only giving them one choice. Yeah. And I set my voicemail up in FreedomSoft. The voicemail just says, hey, this is Joe. Thanks for calling. If you got a piece of land you want to sell and you got one of our postcards, just give us the reference number on that postcard or letter and we will send you an offer back in a couple of days. Again, leave your name and number and the reference ID and we'll send you an offer. Thanks. And uh, yeah, that's it. Complicated. This is so much easier than houses when you just look at. So I, much easier. I, I want to follow the demand, the most popular counties, find watch which ones have the most solds, download a big fat list from Priced, and just schedule out my mail. We try to do a thousand postcards or letters a week, but it, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get busy. I'm doing a ton of other things right now. But Joe, what stands out to me the most about this and what I love so much about it is the fundamentals are so straightforward and so simple and you just stick to the fundamentals, right? There's so many opportunities to try to make it complicated. I think I've seen a lot of people, including myself, try to make it complicated, especially when things I feel like are not working the best that they should, then maybe I, I need to completely change my process or completely change how I'm analyzing or evaluating an area. But it looks like your process is just simple and consistent, right? Yeah. Simple, consistent. And it's all, I keep on having to even tell myself, just kiss, keep it simple, stupid, right. stop complicating it. <laughs> and this is another rule I live by is your speed to income is directly proportional to your speed of implementation. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the speed of implementation. And you could also say your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. So it's real simple. If you want to make money in this business, you need to do deals. If you want to do deals, you got to make offers. If you want to make offers, you got to talk to sellers. You got to get leads. So it comes down to marketing. And if somebody is talking to me about, hey, I'm struggling. This, uh, this isn't working like I thought it would. I'm getting discouraged. First thing I ask him is, how many offers have you made in the last week? And it's always with somebody who's struggling, it's always a one or five or zero or, but I, I, I don't know. I can't figure out how to do freedom soft. I can't figure out how to do pebble or having problems with price. I, my website, my business card, my checking account, my LLCs, I don't get it. What yeah. if I, but what if I find a buyer? What am I going to do? What if, what if the realtor won't let me list the property on the MLS? Cause I don't own it yet. What if I don't have the money to close? 
all these yeah, but yeah, buts. So I just say, listen, stop it. Stop being a yeah, butter and start thinking, okay, what next? First thing, okay, pick a county. Don't overanalyze it. Pick 10 of them and pick and those 10 counties, sort it by most solds in the last 90 days. Get a list. If you can't afford to send a thousand postcards a week, then hand write 20 letters a night. Just hand write 20 a night as you're watching Yellowstone. And then just every day, you send out 20 yellow letters. You start, in, you could also go into old expired listings, go look for old listings on Redfin, call the realtors. You could, there, there's a lot of things you can do. So you basically, you got to stop making excuses. Right. Of why you're struggling and getting slow to get started in this business. I, I mentioned it before. It's just massive imperfect action. And I can literally guarantee if everybody here listening would just make three offers a day, three offers a day, that's 15 a week, that's 60 a month. If you made 60 offers a month and then followed up with those offers every 30 days, right? You would do a deal in three months. That's the, what does I say? 60, right? 120, 180. You made 180 offers in three months. You're going to do a deal, right? Numbers game. Numbers it's a numbers game. game. 100%. And, you know, something else that, that shouted out at me is when you said how on your, just even on your very first deal, when you took massive imperfect action, you made mistakes, but you still made money. You still made $13,000 on that one deal, even though you said that you made some mistakes. And I love the adage that an imperfect plan executed is always going to be more effective than a perfect plan that's not executed. So yeah. just get out there, take massive action. I think that's a yeah. huge, huge takeaway. That's incredible. If you wait till all your questions are answered, you'll never get started. Right. Never. Every, every deal is different. There's always every deal is going to be something that comes up. Oh, what do I do here? This is different. Or every deal is different. You're going to have title issues. You're going to have whatever. But so it's, you've got to just have that dogged determination that nothing's going to stop you. And you're going to make three offers a day. So everybody here should have a scorecard and you should be tracking how many offers that you've made in the last week. In fact, I'm curious and I won't call you. You all can see each other, can't you? Normally when I'm doing coaching calls or things like this, I'd ask everybody to type in the chat, how many offers you've made in the last week, but you could type it in. If you don't want to send it to everyone, just send it to to Kendall or me or somebody privately in Zoom, but how many offers have you made in the last week? And I'm telling you, if you've not done deals or things are going slow for you, that's why. And while you're typing that in, because some of you I know don't want to, and that's fine because <laughs> I'm, I'm just the guest and I'm telling you what to do. Let me, can I share my screen again? Absolutely. Because some people just don't have the money for direct mail. And I get it because that's the biggest struggle. But let's say you're looking at Citrus County again here. What if you went to look at the active for sales in, in Redfin, all right? And go to time on Redfin more than 180 days. This is six months. These properties have been on the market. Let's do something else. Let's say three months. These properties have been on the market over three months. And I scroll down here to price reduced in the last 30 days. Here are 37 vacant lots that have been on the market over, th over three months that just reduced their price in the last 30 days. And guess what? You can go into this and you can sort it by newest. So every week you go into each county and look at the newest ones that just went. If I, if I do table, you can see it sorts it here. And yeah. look at every one that just hit 90 days and just open one of them. 
and you scroll down, you can, there's a realtor, Yenli, whatever. And there's a phone number, call her up him and say, Hey, my name is Joe. I'm calling about that vacant lot, that 0.32 acre vacant lot in South Wald Point in Homosasasa, Florida. Have you sold it yet? It looks like a nice property. What, I mean, why hasn't it sold yet? Okay, cool. I'm looking here. You got some great pictures. It's not near a wetland, is it? Why am I asking that? You see all that water right there? Absolutely. It, it's not near a wetland, is it? What's the neighborhood like? Are there any homes that are yards that are trashy and all that? (laughs) Why am I asking that? Because what's going on here? (laughs) Definitely, yeah. I said, okay, man, looks like a nice property. I see that it's been on the market for three months. Wow. Why hasn't it sold yet? I'm just looking at this and and talking to her and the realtor and and say, I'm just curious. I'm an investor. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm buying properties all over Florida right now. How negotiable is the seller on their price? I'm just talking to the realtor. How negotiable is the seller on their price? And while I'm talking to them and she's talking, I'm clicking on this little map right here. I click on nearby homes for sale, which puts that property right in the center of the map, right? I'm going here to all filters. I'm saying, just show me the land. Maybe I'll do a lot size of 9,500 to half acre filter, okay? And now I'm gonna zoom out and I'm gonna sort this from low to high. Zoom out again till I start getting comps. So they're asking 27.5 for it, right? And so I'm on the phone. I zoom out to get some more comps. Now I got 30 comps here and it's sorted low to high. And they're asking what? 27.5. I say, okay, hmm. I'm sure your property is great. I'm looking at here. There's some similar size properties that are for sale for 21,000, 22,000. What's going on? Oh, by the way, before I even get to that, I asked, I tell the realtor, listen, I'm an investor and I don't have an agent representing me. So if you can help me put this deal together, you can get both sides of the commission if you want to help me with this deal. Okay. Yeah, that's a great incentive. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you can ask the realtor, do you have any other properties that are off market that are discounted that I can maybe buy? I pay 10% commissions on properties that realtors bring me off market properties, discounted. You know what I'm saying? So, Start and, and I'm asking like, okay, I'm looking here and I see some actives that are like five or six grand cheaper. What gives? Why is this one better than those? Why would I want to pay 27 for that one when I can buy this one for 21? And then right here, boom, I go to solds. I go the past year, click done. And look at this. I say, holy smokes. Realtor, what, what's your name? Yenli. I'm sure there's some something's wrong here. I'm looking... And I'm seeing some solds that sold in the last year for a thousand, five thousand, nine, fifty-five hundred, ninety-five hundred, ten thousand. What what's going on in this neighborhood? Right. You see what I'm doing here? I'm yeah. price anchoring. I'm talking to the realtor. Say, listen, I I don't know if this is be something that I would be interested in, but if I'm going to make an offer on this, I'm probably going to offend your client. But they're not in a hurry to sell. Yeah, that's great. So, so, so the realtor is going to be like, I know you're right. And the realtors don't like listing land, but now they know I'm a serious buyer and I'm going to pay them generous commissions and they can represent me, get both sides of the commissions. And so I'm just asking the question, they, they wouldn't accept something in this price range, would they? Four or 5,000, they're not going to accept anything in that range, would they? Sometimes the realtors say, no, no way, forget it. Or they might say, go ahead and just send an offer. I said, can you write it up for me? 
since you're representing me anyway, yeah, let's, you know, go ahead and just actually just talk to them first to see if it's even anywhere. And I said to them, sometimes I say to the realtor, listen, even if they laugh at me and say no and get all mad with my stupid, dumb, lowball, greedy offer, at least you've done something to get them to realize their property is not worth as much as they think it is. So maybe I'm actually doing you a favor by getting them to lower their price so that you can sell it. But by the way, again, as we, before we end, do you have any other vacant lots that are like off market that are discounted that I could buy cheap? Again, I pay 10% commissions. Do you see where I'm going with that? Now, um, that's me calling the realtor and just talking to them about this property. If you wanted to be even more ninja, and if you are, or if you are not a realtor, and I'm not, you can copy this address, right? And I use LandGlide sometimes because it's cheap. LandGlide.com. I think it's 10 bucks a month or something, right? I also use MapRite or LandID or whatever this flip they call it now these <laughs> days. I hate it when they change names. Okay. So here's that property right there. Oh, Dennis Marshall owns it. Okay. And where's his address? Right there. 20 Douglas Street. So yeah. He he lives on 20 Douglas Street, Homomosa, Florida, 34446. So guess what? I could handwrite a letter and send it to the owner. And I would say something like, hey, Dennis, I, th- I, I think you own a, a 0.32 acre, yeah, 0.32 acre vacant lot in XYZ city or whatever. I'm an investor. I what could you say? You could say, you could say something like, I was wondering if you would accept something in the five, I'd like to make you an offer and buy it. Would you accept anything in like the five to $7,000 range? Give me a call. Thanks. And you use your wife's or a lady's name. Thanks, Kristen. All right. Because uh-huh. your, well, your letters are going to get a better response rate if it comes from a lady. All right. Just make up a wife. Buy. <laughs> I have made to order bride or something like that. But I'm being serious. If you have a spouse or you are a lady, use your name on these letters, but send the letter. Now, I'm never going to tell Dennis Marshall to cancel the listing agreement with that realtor, right? If I'm trying to call the realtor, they're not answering their phones, which is most of the time. I'm going to go right directly to the, the owner of this property and maybe skip trace them, call them. Let me show you one other thing. And this is free. You go to PropWire, Jerry Norton did this one, and you put the address in here. Sometimes, not all times, you will get the you get the realtor's information here. Yeah, there's the listing agent's email and phone number. Ninja trick. I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down here because that's really hard to get. Yes. To get their email and the, PropWire just gives it to you for free if it's available. But guess what? You can click on the owner right here. And for 10 cents, if you're playing this video on YouTube, you should probably blur this part out because now here is their name and phone numbers. And you could call the owner right there and see what else he owns. You can call the owner and whatnot. The other cool thing with PropWire, I'm just showing you guys ways that you can make three offers a day, even if you don't have any money. Love it. What was that county again? Was it Citrus County? Citrus. You can go into PropWire. Citrus County, there's 144,000 records. 
go to land, go to more, and you could say, all right, show me all the properties where the owner has owned it for at least five years and they've been tax delinquent at least once sometime in the last three years. 1,342 results, right? Of vacant land that they have um, owned for over, let's do 10 years. And they've been delinquent once on their taxes since 2020. Now, this doesn't work for all counties. Some counties are way better than others because the, the tax delinquents are more available in public records. You could also go in and say, all right, show me the ones that have been on the market. They're active and have been on the market for over 90 days. There's 23 vacant lots that have been on the market over 90 days that have had delinquent taxes since at least once since 2020 and have been owned by somebody for over 10 years. Wow. So guess what? Go through that list. There's 23 of them. You can select them all, whatever, and download them, send them a handwritten letter, skip trace them, call the owners, look this one up, go to owner. There's the name and address. Just skip trace it right here and call them. The other cool thing you could do is from here, you could say, all right, show me all of the ones that are withdrawn. What does that mean? That means it's been canceled or expired or withdrawn. It hasn't sold. And you could say, again, owner filters. They had to have owned it for over 10 years. And let's just say no delinquency taxes. Here's 117 properties that have not they're owned by somebody over 10 years and they were listed for sale, but they expired or were canceled. And you could take that list and handwrite 117 letters to them or download this whole list, skip trace them and just start calling from your cell phone. Um, pretty cool stuff. And this is free. Yeah, that's fantastic. So Joe, when you're talking with these agents, are these going to be deals that you intend on wholesaling or actually closing on and flipping? Yes. So I don't really talk about what I'm doing. I, when I'm talking to a realtor, I'll say, I'm an investor and I, I buy and sell land. Uh, sometimes I buy the land and hold it and sell it with owner financing. Most of the time, I'll just flip it real quick. I'll buy it cheap and, and resell it on the MLS. Which, by the way, Mr. Realtor, if you want to represent me, I'll pay you 10% commissions if you want to help me sell some of this land. But I tell them I'm not a retail buyer. I buy a lot of deals. And sometimes though, the easiest thing to do, especially if they're representing the seller, I'm not going to tell them I'm going to flip it. But I'll say I, I buy a lot of properties and I turn around and sell them with owner financing for the cash flow. I'm a cash flow investor. And just like somebody would buy a property and rent it out for the Cash flow, I buy vacant land and sell it for cash flow. And most of them understand that. They're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Now, when you're looking for, you talked a little bit about criteria for deals. When you were looking on Landwatch, you were you looked for properties that were $150,000 and less. What are your like pricing criteria? What's your average net profit on a deal that you typically go for? I know it's different in every market, but yeah, I just looked at my numbers the last 12 months. Now, listen, here, here's the truth. I, I worked maybe two hours a week, one to two hours a week in my land business. It's not a giant focus of mine. We did 
in the last 12 months, I've been averaging about one to two deals a month. I forget the exact number, about 14 or 15 deals. Okay. And our average profit was $10,800 was our average profit on that. Okay. Yeah. I have an acquisitions guy. He's also doing it part-time doing my podcast, YouTube, teaching content, selling courses. I'm creating software right now. So I really love the publishing media side of the business. So my average profits, $10,800. And what was the other question? Or was that it? That was it. That was it. Ah, Your average net profit. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some deal breakers for you when you're looking at these deals they come along, they come across your desk aside from price, obviously, are there certain things like, do you get into road frontage and utilities and all this other stuff? Deal breakers access, right? If it doesn't have access, it's, I won't even offer a hundred dollars. It's just, I, now I might give them an option agreement. I might say, you know what? I don't want to buy this thing, but I might find, I might know somebody else who will want to buy it. I'll give you a six-month option agreement for a really cheap price. I will, dang it, what was the question? Deal breakers. Deal breakers, thank you. Number one is access. Number two, the title's not clear. Now, I'm not going to walk away, but I'm not going to work really hard to get it fixed. I'm just going to tell the seller, listen, I want to buy your property, but I can't until you reinstate this LLC that you used to buy it 10 years ago or you get your ex-wife to sign the stuff. So I'll give it to my title company and I'll say, here's a deal that I wanna buy, What's what do we need to do? And they might say, there's a death or there's we need to get the... So I just make the title company tell me what to do and then I tell the seller. And if it's if there's a lot of work involved, I'm just, I might follow up with the seller, but I'm gonna tell them, you need to do this and this. And I'm gonna try to follow up with them, but that's not a deal I'm gonna chase and work really hard to complete. So I'm always, the biggest thing the deal killers are no access and titles, not clear. Some of these sellers, I've been seeing this lately. They, they only want to sell it to me on a quick clean deed, which is crazy. I don't understand. I'm like, why do you care? I'm paying for the, I'm paying the closing cost, and they just want to, they want to get my cashier's check and then they'll give me a quick claim deed. I'm like, that's, we don't do it that way. Not interested. (laughs) So I don't know if that's, if that also raises red flags, are they trying to hide right. something here? What's going on exactly. with this? Exactly. Yeah. So maybe that's how they bought it. I don't know, but I don't want to buy it that way. For sure. The yeah. other big thing that is a deal killer is the seller's not motivated, right? So I, I operate under the belief that there is a million dollar deal every day. So like, I you might get discouraged. You're working hard. You're making a lot of offers. You're not getting any accepted. And you get one that comes that's, that is a marginal deal. You might make three, four, five grand on it if you're lucky. And you're like, oh man, I'm going to make, I'm going to turn this into a deal. And so you start taking on marginal deals, Kendall, and everybody else here who's done deals, like marginal deals will sink you. Like they do not always, they don't turn up, end up marginal. So like we need to make sure we're not becoming the motivated buyers. We're, we can only do deals with motivated sellers. Don't become a motivated buyer and try to turn a non-deal into a deal. You've got to believe that, you know what? Dang it, I've made 30 offers and no deal has been accepted yet. But then offer number 31 and then that offer number 35 get accepted. And now you're averaging one out of every 20 or 30 offers or whatever, 15 are getting accepted. So it's you got to play the long game. You got to be consistent. 
And you got to, you can only do deals with motivated sellers. So don't ever get in a position where you're begging them to accept your offer, or you're trying to sell yourself to them, or you're trying to turn a non-deal into a deal and get creative. We're deal finders. We're not deal creators. And so I like to play the role of the reluctant buyer and the reluctant buyer, the seller has to sell me on their house. And why would I want to buy their house? I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I need I need all of those Joe McCall isms like on a poster. <laughs> it's so good. We are not motivated buyers. And I love that you're taking it from a reluctant buyer approach. But I see it so often where so many people, because they haven't had a deal come in for a long time, or they haven't even been close in terms of the numbers on a deal where they're trying to fudge it and make something happen. And you always lose that way. You yeah. Always like Only one person told me how many offers they made in the last week. Okay, that's all right. But you know what? <laughs> when you're making three offers a day, man, you're going to get a ton of no's, but you're also going to get some yeses. And you're not going to get any yeses unless you start making offers. So it's if you know your numbers, if it's one out of every 30 offers that get accepted, then why haven't you made 60 offers yet? Absolutely. You're going to do deals. Yeah, it, it's just the numbers. And then when you've got a lot of leads coming in or you've like the things I just showed you, you could have a VA do almost all of it, virtual assistant. Right. So get a, if you can't do all that marketing yourself, then get a VA to do it. Get a VA to go to Redfin and look for these properties and put them into a Google sheet and send the emails for you or get the information for you. And then you just tell them, okay, offer this. And then the VA puts the letter together and sends it out and then triggers the follow-up and then does the follow-up every 30 days or whatever. So you, you don't have any excuses. But when you're making a lot of offers like that and you're on the phone with a seller that's giving you a hard time or it's a marginal deal, you're like, uh, you know what? That's cool. I I don't need this deal. I'd love to buy it, but I don't need it. I've got, I've got $100,000 burning a hole in my pocket. I'm looking for a vacant lot to buy. And if you don't want to sell yours, that's fine. I got five other people that I'm waiting, that are needing, that are waiting for me to call them right now. So it doesn't sound like it's going to work for you. Are you telling me we're done? I'm talking to the seller. Are you telling me we're done? So I'm not chasing them. I'm getting them to chase me. And sometimes I started my conversations with, hi, uh, Jim, this is Joe. Sounds like he caught you at a bad time. No. Okay, good. Listen, I, I see your stuff here. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about your property to see if it would even be something I would be interested in? So now I'm framing it to where they have to tell me why would I want to buy their property? And that changes the whole game. Now my conversation is just asking questions. Why should I buy your property and not this other one down the street? Why should I spend 25 grand on your property when I can buy a similar one in the same neighborhood for 15 grand? So love that. My gosh. Yeah, that's so good. And and it's so powerful just framing the conversation that way because it immediately sets up the dynamic of that you are not the motivated buyer in the situation and you can walk away. And that gives you so much more leverage and negotiation power. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I hope people are getting this because this can change your life. If you understand if it's just how many offers have you made in the last week? How many offers are you going to make next week? Okay, forget about the past. You guys can type this in. All right. How many offers are you going to make in the next seven days? Type it in the chat. Just send it to me. Direct message if you don't want everybody else to know. Okay. Jeff's making 700 blind offers probably. That's fine. 
But for me, an offer is somebody that's responded to my marketing and I'm sending them an offer. That's for me, that registers counts as an offer. Or they've already had their house listed, so I know they want to sell it. And I'm making them maybe a lowball offer or something. 15, 700, 100. And that's it. Only three of you want to make any more offers next week? <laughs> okay, Dell's making three tomorrow. Is that it? Only four of you. There's 16 on here, not including me and Kendall. 21, Audrey, good. Just three a day, guys. That's it. And you don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want. Do what I just showed you to do. Go look at older listings. Send the owner an offer. Sean's yeah, something that I want to highlight too for everyone listening is I. it may sound like there are some steps. Obviously, you do have to take time to go in and do your research and, and pull these people. But Joe said, you can always leverage a virtual assistant to outsource a lot of this, if not the whole process. And what I love so much about that is it's just another, it's another tool in your arsenal to break down the excuses. If you don't have time to do it, you can always leverage someone else because at the end of the day, it's about getting those offers out there. That's how you make the deal. I'm in a, I'm in a good teaching mood. Can I show you guys how to make offers? Super simple. Yes. Let's do it. Let's create a spreadsheet. All right. This is it. We're going to take the list price. What are you going to list it for? If you had to sell this thing in one or two months, what would you list it for? What would you sell it for? And then you subtract your wholesale fee and you subtract realtor commissions. I like to give the realtors a bonus if they bring me a buyer that can close within 30 days. And then you subtract closing costs and miscellaneous. All right. So let's look at an example. This property right here this property. Remember, we were looking at it before. What would I need to sell this property for to sell it quickly in one or two months if I were to get it under contract? So all I do when I'm looking at it on Redfin, I click on the map, click on nearby homes for sale. And what that does is it puts that property right in the center of my map. And I'd start changing my filters. I say, all right, I only want land. And this is 0.32 acres. So I'm going to do 0.25 to 0.5 acres. And I'm going to start zooming out until I get more comps. And that property is right in the center. Zoom it out again. Now I have eight. Zoom it out again. Now I have 30. And I'm going to sort this list from low to high. So just looking at the actives, I'm going to zoom out one more time. I'm thinking in my mind, all right, why would somebody want to buy my property now, this one's way up here, 9,500. That's an outlier. I might not look at that one. But why would somebody want to buy my property for 25 when they can buy this one for 19,9, this one for 21,5, this one for 21,5, 21,5, So I'm thinking if I list my property, I want it to sell fast. So I'm going to list it for, I'm going to list it for 19 grand. Okay. That's what I'm going to list it for. Let me make this all pretty. I'm going to list it for 19 grand, okay? Realtor, I like to pay generous realtor commissions. So I'm going to pay 10% commissions. And I like to give, if I can, the realtor a $1,000 bonus if they bring me a buyer that closes in 30 days. I'm just going to build that into my offer. And this part of Florida, I have closing costs. I can pay $750 for closing costs. And maybe $300 for drone footage. 
Okay. Always get professional photography photos. Let's do 500. Always. I'm telling you, I've taken a property with no calls. I had on my website, I had the Google Earth images. I had the fancy lines showing the property lines. I had the diagrams and the special stuff that the VAs do. Zero calls. As soon as I got professional photography of the lot with the blue sky and drone footage, calls started coming in left and right. All right. So what's my offer price? Okay. I want to make $7,500 on this deal. So I'm going to pay the realtor 10% commissions. I'm going to give the realtor a $1,000 bonus. I have $750 in closing costs and I'm going to do $500 for other things. All right. So here is my offer price. Okay. It's going to be list price minus 7,500, minus 1,900, minus 1,000, minus 750, minus 500. There it is. I'm going to offer 7,350. And what percent of that is the price? It's 38%. So I used to like, I used to do this where I would offer every time 25% of what I thought it was going to list for or 35%. But now I'm just subtracting my numbers. So if I think I can sell it for 39,000 and I want to make a $10,000 minimum wholesale fee, now my offer is 58%. So you can't just use a, sim a simple percentage formula anymore. This is why I don't like blind offers because I want to look at it. What can I sell this for? I can probably sell it pretty quickly for 19 grand. I'm okay with the $7,500 profit on this. Realtor commissions, a bonus, closing costs, miscellaneous. I have to offer $7,350. And that's how I make my offers. Very simple, just a simple spreadsheet like this. And I and will so give. Whenever you make that offer, do you give, do you start lower? Or is this the offer? There's no room for negotiation. Take it or leave it. Yeah, so there's a couple things. I'm going to put that link to this spreadsheet in the Zoom chat. Awesome. So just make a copy of it. So I will say I'm going to when I'm on the phone or I'm talking to them, I'll say here sometimes the seller won't give me a price. I'll say, "Listen, I'm sure your property is really nice. And you won't give me a price that you want." I don't know, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed to say this. This is what I'm telling the seller. What if somebody were to offer you like six to seven grand, what would you say? Oh my gosh, that's a ripoff. I'm not going to give this thing away. Oh, good thing I didn't offer that then. <laughs> what do I need to do to get you closer to that number? Or what do we need to do to get you closer to that number? So you might say, what if somebody were to offer you $5,000? What would you say? And they'd blow up and they get mad. Good thing I didn't offer. Good thing I didn't offer you that. <laughs> so what would I need to do to get you closer to that number? I wouldn't take anything less than 10. I don't know if that's going to work. Are you sure that's the absolute lowest you could do? And I'll ask it three different ways. Can you do any better? So these are just things I'm doing when I'm on the phone. So that's how you make offers. It's very simple. And you could take that spreadsheet and all you do is you just plug in this number and what your wholesale fee is. I like to try to always get at least 10 grand on my wholesale fees, but you can do what you want. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing that, Joe. Really good stuff. And I love the framing of that offer. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to borrow that. It I, works. Uh, good thing I didn't offer that. <laughs> that's fantastic. Because, awesome. you know, you're always going to have the seller that is not going to want to tell you their price. They're going to be like, you sent me the postcard, just make me an offer. Their motivation is not very good. So I'm not going to play that game with them, but I might say, 
So I'll pull away. I'm always pulling away. I'm making them come to me. I'm not trying to chase them. The harder you chase sellers, the faster they'll run. So mm-hmm. I play this game of if somebody were to offer you this, you would probably say no and get really mad, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I like that a lot. So Joe, what is the biggest surprise that you've had so far in your land journey? How many people don't take it seriously? I In my course, I give, a biz, I have what's called a business completion challenge. And I tell everybody who buys my program, and it's not cheap, it's $2,500. And it includes some done for you setup. It includes coaching. So it's more than just the course. We set things up for you. We do some things for you. We have coaching calls. And I do them myself. I don't outsource my coaching. So I give everybody who completes the course within six months and makes at least 25 offers, I'll give them all of their money back. I'll refund their investment in the program. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I love to reward massive action takers, people who would take massive action. I want to reward them. Number two, I know that if they invest in the program and they get their money back, they'll be a fan for life, right? And they might buy something else I sell in the future. They might become a coaching student. They might, whatever. Number three, I one of the ways I do deals. People bring, my students bring me deals. Sometimes I lend money on deals. Sometimes I buy deals. So it's another way for me to do deals. So you would think, all right, go through Joe's program. I have six months. I don't even have to do a deal. Just make 25 stupid offers, even if all of them are rejected, and I'll get my money back. All right, no brainer. I'm going to do it. How many, what percent would you guess have completed my program? I have refunded, just answer that first. How many, what percent would you say have completed my program and got their money back? 10%. 9%. 9. Wow. 9%. Yeah. Now, okay, maybe there are some people like, Joe is such a great program. I feel bad even asking for you my money back because I made more. Okay, maybe there's a lot of people like that. But the people that, what amazes me uh, is the people that just don't do, you spend all of this hard-earned money on investing in your education and you don't do anything with it. Right. There's two, this is a funny video. You should just go to YouTube, do a search for Frank Kern, the two laws of business. The Two Commandments, I think. Do you guys know Frank Kern? Yeah. He's an internet marketer guru. Okay, this has bad words. Am I going to offend anybody <laughs> if it has bad words? You're good. Can I play it? Yes, please. Okay, so let me go back here. It's only two, it's only three hour, three minutes and 45 seconds, okay? All right. I'm going to share sound. The keys to being successful online are very simple. Actually, there are two commandments I have on how to be successful online. The first commandment is thou shalt not fuck around. The second commandment is thou shalt not be a pussy. And I'll explain. And really, I think if you obey these two commandments, then you'll be fine. We'll start with thou shalt not fuck around. Most people spend a lot of time reading forums, buying products and never do anything. They're fucking around. I'll survey customers in my business. I've surveyed customers and in, in clients' business that are in the same industry and we'll say, how many of you have a website now? And 70% of them say, I have no website. I have no business. I have no product, even though they've bought everything. 
All right. Clearly they're fucking around because it says so right in every single thing they bought. Here's how you get a website. And furthermore, if you want to know how to build a website, go to YouTube. I think that people fuck around because there's no sense of urgency. So I say, well, listen, I want you to imagine this. Imagine that Osama bin Laden had a machine gun pointed at your family and he said, you got 24 hours to build a website that can collect an email address or I'm pulling the fucking trigger. I know they would figure out how to build a website, and they wouldn't go to a forum saying, now which course should I buy that shows me how to build a website? Is this guy a scam? What kind of website should they build? They go to YouTube or something, type in how to build a website, pick one from one of the 30-something thousand freely available tutorials, and build the damn site. And when the site didn't come out perfect, they'd go back to it, and they'd build, let's say the table wasn't looking right, or the font wasn't right, they'd go back to YouTube or Google and say, how to make font look right. And then by 20 hours, they'd have the damn thing up, and they'd say, okay, well, someone, I got the website, and we go, okay, good, thank you, see you later. And that'd be the problem solved. They're just fucking around. If you don't fuck around, you'll be successful. Get to work. The second of the commandments is, thou shalt not be a pussy, is this. They say, well, what if, I don't, what if it doesn't work? I'm perfectly willing to spend, go into enormous debt to attend seminar after seminar and to buy product after product and get all of this education, but I'm terrified to spend $100 on a Google AdWords campaign to try to launch a product off the ground, to try to test a market and everything. And they're just being pussies. They're afraid of that failure. If you can accept the truth that you're going to fail about 98% of the time, but the 2% of the time that you don't fail, you're probably going to hit these massive oil wells that can reward you for the rest of your life. You'll be okay, but if you're just going to be a little pussy about everything and not get to work and not get started and get that temporary crack cocaine high from buying the product that makes you feel like you're doing something and then that wears off and you buy the next thing. If you're going to do that instead of actually getting to work and doing something, then you're screwed. So the secret to, to internet success is get to work, don't fuck around, don't be a pussy. And when you get knocked down, get back up because you're going to get knocked down, period. It's like talking to a guy who's going to be a boxer. Listen. With the guys, oh, I want to be a champion boxer. I'm not going to get hit, am I? Oh, no, dude, you're, not going, to, you're going to be fine. You're not going to get hit. The guy gets hit one time. I don't want to be a boxer anymore. Of course, he's never going to make it as a boxer. He's got to know, yeah, you're going to get the shit beat out of you a lot. And then sometimes you're going to win. And when you win, you get to be on TV. It's going to be great. Nike's going to call you, and you can have a boxing shoe or something. Maybe Kern will do the ad campaign for you. Tell America that they'll be beautiful if they wear your boxing shoe. It'll sell millions. You're going to be fine. But you're going to get your ass beat a lot. And that's the trick to it all. All right. So I apologize for the people who were offended, but it's so true. Spot isn't on. it? Spot on. I've never seen that. Thank you for sharing that. But it's, oh my gosh, it is so true. And I can identify in my own entrepreneur journey where I realized I was like, I'm just, I'm confusing the fact that I'm taking courses or I'm going to webinars with actually doing the business because I'm, it's an important part of it. You need to get education, but at some point you have to invest in yourself. You have to invest in your business and do it, right? Yeah. That's really good. My gosh. Thanks for sharing that. Joe, I want to thank you so much for being on today and for giving us so much value. Is there anything else that you're looking for? How can we give you value today? What can we provide resources or connections with? What are you looking for? I don't know. I don't, I don't really need anything right now. But I've got a I got a podcast. You guys can check it out if you or you go to my YouTube channel, Joe McCall. Just YouTube, Joe McCall. I have a podcast called Real Estate Investing Mastery. This logo thing right here, and I got a free little giveaway that I give away. It's simplelandkit.com, and at simplelandkit.com, you can download my direct mail swipe file, my scripts. I have some software that helps you analyze deals and make offers. I've got. 
three or four or five other things, but simplelandkit.com and you, you can get it for free. There will be an invitation to, after that you opt in to get that, there'll be an invitation to watch my webinar. And on that webinar, I teach my method there of how you can learn how to do land. And you get an, if you can get a chance to get my course and be one of the 9%, I want you guys to help make my 9% more. The other thing too is I've refunded to date almost $500,000 in business completion challenge refunds. So it's a, it's a lot, it's a big number. That's for multiple different courses, not just my land courses. But I love doing that because if you, I just get great testimonials. I believe I want to, my philosophy is simple. If I can't make you money, then I don't deserve yours. So if you are going to invest your heart in money and do what I teach you to do and it doesn't work, here's your money back. No hard feelings. But I don't like it when somebody doesn't do the effort, doesn't put in the work and quits and then asks for a refund. That's just being lazy. That's doing what Frank Kern was talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very cool. Yeah. Love it. What is, I have one more question for you before, before we open it up. I know that we're running short on time, but what would you consider to be your biggest passion or goal that you'd like to achieve at this point in your life? Lifestyle is always a big thing for me. Like I think one of my, my biggest business goals, I'm trying to simplify everything, right? Like I work 30 to 40 hours a week, usually 40 hours a week, but my big personal business goal rather is to have a business that's not making a ton of money, but because like the, here's the crazy thing with business. Many times, the more money you make, the smaller your net margins get, which means if you're making, if you're doing 1 million a year, you might be making 35% net margins. And that's awesome. Net profit. But you go to 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, that 35% margin is probably going to shrink down to 20%, 15 to 20%. And you start getting to 10 million, you're doing good if you can make 10% net margins. Now, 10% of 10 million is still really good. Your dollar amount will of profit is good. But when you start scaling, it's really easy to get your to get a bloated overhead. You're hiring more people, you're having more complex systems, more people to manage. So you're you're doing a ton of marketing in a lot of different markets. So your business as it grows, so does your overhead and your staff and your salary. So my goal is to have a business where I'm just working 20 hours a week and I'm netting a million dollars, right? At Now, you got to be careful with these numbers, but what if you could actually net 50%? What if you could have a million dollars a year and you're netting 50% of that? That means your net profit is 500 grand a year. That's not that hard to do if you know what you're doing and you're taking massive action. Or maybe you don't need to make $500,000 a year net profit, net, net profit, right? Maybe you only need to net a hundred grand a year. What if then that means you could, you make, you gross 200 grand a year, which means, and you're operating at 50% profit margins, net profit margins. That's really stinking good. So for me, as I grow and scale my business, I'm trying to keep my net margins as high as possible while working you know, less than 30 hours a week. It's not easy. I love what I do, but that's for me, a big personal goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. Thank you for sharing with us. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us again, Joe. Thank you for joining us. 
This has been absolutely fantastic. Everyone have a great week. Be safe and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. If you're interested in hearing from other seven-figure land flippers about how they've started and run their businesses, then join us at OnlyLandFans.com. Looking forward to seeing you there.